Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 85. Thanks for joining me. We have a great show for you today because today we are speaking with Amber Wood from AORN. Now, Amber recently presented at the HSPA conference along with Garland Grisby on the topic of single-use endoscopes versus reusable endoscopes. She has some great information to pass along to us, so stick with us today. Now, a little bit more about Amber. She is the Senior Perioperative Practice Specialist at the Association of Perioperative Registered Nurses, AORN. At AORN, she has served as the lead author and editor for several AORN guidelines. She also offers clinical information to members via the AORN consult line and contributes regularly to clinical issues column in the AORN journal. She has also served as a member of the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation, AMI. She has been a liaison to the CDC Healthcare Infection Control Practice Advisory Committee, the HICPAC, and is also a fellow of the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology, APIC. Amber, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So what's the deal? Why should folks be concerned with endoscopes? Well, I think we've all known we've had problems with endoscopes. Um, we've had far more outbreaks with endoscopes than we've had in, with any other medical devices. Um, in some of these outbreaks, we were concerned because we didn't see deficient practices. So um, we, were, we were just really concerned about whether or not they're safe to use. And so we know when we're processing endoscopes that we have a narrow margin for safety. And so one of the things that we talked about in our presentation was the use of single use scopes um, and how that affects that margin of safety and kind of takes some of that out of play. But we know that can be costly. And so we have to find the financial deal in the mix of reusables and disposable endoscopes. So you just mentioned margin of safety. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, that's a term we kind of get used to. Uh, we see in, in research studies that maybe other people don't know what that means. I like to think of it like wiggle room. So like wiggle room gives you room between what's safe and what's dangerous. And so one thing we can think about parallel another industry is like space, like space travel. So we have a narrow margin between success and failure. And when we're talking about that, and so we have, it's it really, it's between life and death. And we have to, we know astronauts, they have to train uh, for years um, just to maximize their chances and have the best chance for success uh, possible. And any missed details we have in space travel can kill you. Um, and, and really, like when you're an astronaut, everybody has your life in their hands. Everybody that's putting the, you know, the space shuttle together, everybody that's doing the training, the communication really has your life in your hands. And so it's, it's, endoscopes are very similar. Somebody's life is in your hands when you're processing endoscopes. And that complex design of the scope and that very complicated process, especially like with high level disinfection, 
gives you that narrow margin and not, don't have much wiggle room. And we have to respect that and respect that margin. We have to be precise. We can't be skipping steps or missing details. So it's, it's that's really what I mean when I talk about the margin of safety. And then when we talk about single use scopes, that kind of takes that complexity of the processing out of the picture. Now you still have complications, you know, with the complex design is going to be what it is, but you've taken that, that process out of the picture. And so that's something to consider that we wanted people to think about. Yeah. And I think that's a great analogy, the astronaut, because those astronauts are relying on everybody else to do their job, just like the patient is relying on us to do our job correctly and reprocess a scope. So thank you. Now, there may be some folks listening to the show who are new to sterile processing, or maybe they're just new to processing endoscopes. Can you talk about the FDA involvement with the different types of scopes? Sure. So FDA has that oversight of medical devices, and that includes endoscopes. And so they give a clearance or approval. Clearance is their official term um, in the FDA lingo to manufacturers of the medical devices. They submit all the paperwork and FDA reviews all that and all their studies and looks to if it's safe and they can clear it for use. And then they also, they monitor for adverse events through MedWatch. So public people in the public, users can submit reports. And um, if FDA notices any trends or concerns, they will publish safety alerts on those regulated devices when it's appropriate. And so we've seen recent safety communications come out specifically for duodenoscopes, urological endoscopes, and bronchoscopes. So what we saw come out about duodenoscopes has been going on for a while. We've had issues with that for several years. But the most recent one we saw last year was the recommendation to stop using duodenoscopes with fixed end cap designs. And they recommended that users transition to using scopes that are, have disposable end cap designs or that are fully disposable. And they cited 522 surveillance studies um, that showed a higher risk of contamination with the reusable end cap designs fixed in caps. And then for the urology scopes, they posted that there was an infection risk and they talked about cystoscopes and ureteroscopes. And then they did uh, announce the recall of one manufacturer's scopes. Um, it was Carl Stort scopes. It was interesting. The recommendations they gave about those scopes is that they said, do not perform high level disinfection or liquid chemical sterilization, that they wanted them to be sterilized. And then they actually told users, don't use this scope if you can't sterilize it. So how many times we think, oh, well, we can't sterilize it, so we, so we don't. But then FDA actually come out and said, well, then you can't use it. So that was a huge recommendation from them and kind of showing a shifting of, of their recommendations. And then for bronchoscopes, they came out and said sterilization was preferred. And they cited that margin of safety, that they had a greater margin of safety with sterilization. They also recommended considering single-use bronchoscopes and said specifically for single-use that you should not reprocess or reuse those single-use bronchoscopes. So we've seen some interesting uh, recommendations come out from FDA that we all as users need to be aware of. Yeah, so usually when I talk about endoscopes, I'm usually sometimes, most of the time I'm thinking about GI endoscopes, but from what you're saying is we should really be looking at all the different types of scopes that we have and we use within our facilities. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and those urology scopes and the bronchoscopes specifically, 
um, are critical um, items. They're going into critical sterile spaces of the patients, um, their lungs and their bladder. And um, there's just a higher risk there with those types of scopes that we need to also think about. So let's say a facility has asked one of our listeners to look into single-use versus reusable scopes. Who should be involved in making this decision or in the decision process? And does AORN give any guidance? Yes, um, we have new recommendations in the updated AORN guideline for processing flexible endoscopes. And we talk about who should be on the team. And absolutely, sterile processing needs to be involved. We need to have the surgeons and the physicians who are going to be using the scopes involved, obviously. We need to have personnel in the OR and endoscopy and personnel who are going to be doing point of use treatment. They need to be involved in the decision making. And then we need to make sure we're including those areas outside of the operating room and endoscopy, the ICU, the ER, ambulatory clinics, make sure that those users and those stakeholders are involved too. And of course, we want infection preventionists involved. Biomed engineering is going to be part of managing those scopes. We need them involved. And then our purchasing teams, we've got to have the materials managers. Um, it's important to have risk managers because this is a topic, like I said, there's so many outbreaks. We need to make sure risk management knows and is involved in the process and can help uh, manage the risk. And then something we added um, to our list of stakeholders this year was educators because there is such a need for education and competency verification with endoscopes. We want to make sure we include them from the beginning uh, when we're selecting devices so that way they can help determine the educational needs and how you know they could go about supporting implementation. And can you also talk about some of the things that we should consider when evaluating the single-use versus reusable options? Yes, I can. And there, there's long lists in the guideline of things to help the team consider. Um, really some highlights here. Of course, you know, we think about financial because mm. there's costs involved with that. Another thing is useful life. So how good is your reusable scope going to be good for? How many uses can you get out of it? What's your inventory needs or what's your procedure volume look like? Your storage needs. There's, there's going to be storage either way you go, you know, for reusable and single use. And then um, disposal with your single-use endoscopes. How are you going to dispose of them? What's the cost involved with that? And then for your reusables, all the maintenance and repairs, that really needs to be, um, it's, that can be really highly variable depending on your contracts. And, and that really is a huge factor to discuss in evaluation. And then another thing just to think about, think about your setting. Um, you know, are you providing access to care? You know, maybe you're in a rural setting, and patients can't have this procedure if they don't have access to the scope, right? So um, think about what is the setting. You know, maybe it's a clinic that maybe that patient won't have to undergo, you know, the costs associated with coming to the operating room or endoscopy room for a procedure. Maybe that is um, less anesthesia risk for them as well. Or maybe you have an immediate need like the ICU, the ER, you need it immediately, like right on hand. And so those are things to consider. Would a single use provide access? or immediate access that you would need compared to a reusable. And a lot of it's facility dependent, but those are some things to help your team talk through. When reusing or reprocessing endoscopes, there are definite challenges that should be taken into consideration. Can you talk about some of those challenges for us? Sure, so 
really, you got to make sure you have the processing method available. And this is a really big challenge in the clinics and in the ambulatory settings. You know, maybe they don't have a sterilizer and they, they can't process a cystoscope with sterilization because they just don't have access to it. So that's that's a huge um, thing, especially with these changes in the, in the cystoscopes. Another thing, uh, we know the complexity of the device, the human factors. Can you clean it? That was a big question with all these outbreaks. Is it possible? Um, and can you dry it? That's something new and that's come out that's shown to be a concern is that it can be really challenging to dry certain types of scopes. So there's, there's lots of new recommendations um, that are going to be challenges. These have come out from Amy ST91 and AORN recommendations that are going to be new. And, and you definitely need to consider about your implementation of these strategies and how that's going to affect your decisions on reusable versus the single use. Uh, because one of the big new recommendations is to make sure we have clean scopes. We know cleaning is a problem. And so there's recommendations to have an inspection cleaning verification program. So big recommendations for cleaning verification testing, your ATP, your protein, your hemoglobin, or carbohydrate testing, and then visual inspection, doing that light and magnification. And then everybody's favorite topic and mine, borescopes, <laughs> you know, being able to look inside of a scope and look for damage. Um, that has huge impact on um, implementation and can really can be a challenge for implementation to think about with reusables. And then I've mentioned earlier the importance of education. You've got to think about and there's lots of challenges with your educational needs and, and staffing. And the, a lot of the challenges coming here is time as well. Resources. Do you have the time? You've got the people. You've got the time. Do you have the space? Big problem in ambulatory and clinic settings. And the equipment, do you have all the equipment you need to do leak testing and um, flushing of channels and uh, drying? And then so going into drying, um, there's big new recommendations to do drying after high-level disinfection for a minimum of 10 minutes with instrument uh, air or HEPA-filtered air. So that's a really big change that's going to affect your workflows. And there are automated systems out there that can help you with that, may have less of an impact on your workflows. Uh, but those are big things and new things that have come out recently that they're challenges that people need to think about. And then storage, <laughs> looking at storage cabinets. If you're talking about reusables, what wait, what is your cabinet situation? Do you have cabinets that facilitate drying? So either the drying storage cabinets that flush the air directly through the channels or that circulate the air throughout the cabinet itself, um, because drying has been such a problem. And so uh, these are all challenges uh, that people need to consider when deciding between the different uh, single use or reusable. So one thing in your presentation that I haven't really considered in the past was the environmental impact of single use versus reusable. Can you talk briefly about that impact? Sure. So usually the first thing when you hear single use scopes, people are thinking, oh, the landfills, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, sustainability. And um, really, it's, it's quite a bigger picture than just disposing of a scope in a landfill. So you got to you really, really think about the whole life of the scopes. Um, so for single use, of course, you got disposal of the entire scope. There might be costs associated with that as well. So you have to look at your local waste regulations. But there may also be recycling and rebate programs with the manufacturers. There may even be options for third-party reprocessing. Now, FDA came out and said, don't reprocess single-use bronchoscopes. <laughs> <laughs> but there is an FDA-approved or cleared process where 
if someone wants to reprocess a scope, they can go through FDA processes to become a third party reprocessor. So there are, is a very formal, you can't just do that at your facility. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to go through this FDA process, but that's an option. So maybe not with bronchoscopes as your high risk critical scopes, but maybe other types of scopes it might be um, worth exploring. Um, but also for single use, you also have packaging. You know, you have to think about that as well. What's the environmental impact of that? But then you also have environmental impacts of reusables. So eventually you will have to dispose of that scope. You just get more life out of it. So there is less waste as far as number of uses. Uh, but you'll have a lot of consumable products that are single use, your accessories and attachments and things. There is some waste associated. We also have chemicals and chemical exposure. And there's concerns about that and the environment and how that affects the water. And then equipment. You've got equipment needs when you use reusables. You know, you've got... Your, your leak testers and your sinks and your cabinets, and that all is an impact on the environment to manufacture all of those items as well. And then um, your processing method, you know, however you're processing, if you're using an automated reprocessor, that is going to have an environmental impact as well. And also thinking about water efficiency um, and the use of water in process, reprocessing of scopes. So those are all things to think about this beyond the landfills. And of course, both have manufacturing impacts. You have to make the scopes mm -hmm. either way you go. And there's packaging and transportation um, and things to consider. And so one thing that AORN has been working on and, and many other companies have been working on, maybe even your hospital systems, is a program called ESG. And that stands for Environmental and Social and Governance. And so these initiatives, these companies are looking at the impact on the environment um, and the planet um, and that includes sustainability and resources, but also it gets into like, emissions and air quality and water and energy use and waste and the climate risk. So lots to think about there. Uh, for social, what's the impact on people? What's the impact on people's health? I think that's cer certainly something for sterile processing. Yeah. Thinking about these chemicals in our, our health. Uh, think about our working conditions. You know, there's been new research come out about ergonomics and reprocessing. I think we have to think about people's health and, and their working every day. Supply chain is also a part of this. Um, and the diversity and equity and, and basic human rights. These are all things to think about. Maybe your um, use of a scope in a setting where people have a reduced access to care might help with, you know, your diversity and equity inclusion initiatives by your organization. That's something to think about as well. And then for governance, that's more about like conduct and policies and ethics. There's some financial things um, and uh, risk management. Like when you're working with companies, is, you know, is this an ethical company? Um, that's something, the, all these things, like ESG is kind of a bigger global initiative that I think that it will help you if you're talking to your C-suite, if they're working on ESG initiatives, you know, talk about your evaluation of single use versus reusable and frame it in that way to help them with that ESG message. And that, that'll help sell processing too. Hey, let's pause our conversation for just a second. So are you looking to get a CE for this episode? Well, you're in the right place. To receive a CE for this episode, Simply click on the link in the episode notes, log on to the MyHSPA website, and make sure you use the code SINGLEUSE. Again, the code for this episode and only this episode is SINGLEUSE. Now, let's continue our conversation with Amber. 
So I think you mentioned this earlier, but probably one of the biggest factors in the decision of single-use versus reusable is the financial impact. Can you talk about some of the evidence you found associated with cost? Yeah, it definitely is. That's the first thing I always hear. And that's definitely it can be a huge barrier because mm -hmm. that's reality. You've got to have the money uh, for these things. And so when you're talking about cost analysis, I mentioned, you know, think about all these other things that go into your cost. And so for single use with this, we looked at the studies and the studies showed that single use was more cost effective at lower procedure volumes because they have a high per procedure cost. So it makes sense if you don't do many procedures to use single use because there's a lot of costs involved with reusables. And so these studies specific looked at specific types of scopes. Uh, we saw studies about single use duodenoscopes, colonoscopes, ureteroscopes, and cystoscopes. There were several studies about using a disposable or single use cystoscope for stent removals in the clinic. Um, and those were all the studies that showed that those were more cost effective at lower procedure volumes. And so um, like for reusables, you've got to consider your labor costs. I mentioned consumables, you know, what your processing involved, and then repairs. And the studies talked about this. And we all know this, but our repair costs can be highly variable. Mm -hmm. um, and so also your contracts, your purchase prices, your warranties, those are, those are all really high, highly variable. And so you kind of have to tailor it to your facility and your situation. Um, but for the most part and over, like there was high levels of evidence about this showing that cost effectiveness for lower procedure volumes. And there was also one study that had an equation that kind of tied in all these things I've mentioned and just to an equation to help you do that calculation. And then there was another study that it was from another country, uh, but it had software. They developed software because they use a reusable and single use um, bronchoscopes. They had like a mix of them throughout their facility and they used the software to help them calculate the optimal mix uh, and the cost effectiveness and, and how to balance that cost in there with their volume needs. So there's some really cool things out there in the literature that can help you do cost analysis. And I was really surprised by it, but uh, we cited all that uh, evidence in the guideline um, and it, it can be really helpful. Now, how can we get our hands on some of that information that you just talked about, some of those equations and some of those, those resources that can help us make those cost-saving decisions? Yeah, so those um, ref references are cited in the guideline, and we also, I've presented them in our presentation. Those uh, slides are available. I'm happy to share those. So like Amber said, she presented that information and she has some slides that she has made available to me. So if you would like that information, if you're interested in that information, all you have to do is contact me, podcast at myhspa.org. Again, that's uh, podcast at myhspa.org. And thank you again for allowing us to use some of your information. Of course, it's, it was an honor to present. So you've already given us a lot of great information, but do you have any other advice that you'd like to give to our listeners? Yeah, I know this is a lot of information and, and it's really highly dependent when you're doing these cost analysis and comparisons. It really depends upon the department needs. You know, what's your budget look like? What's your staffing? What's your procedure volume, your education and competency needs, including frequency? You know, how often are you processing scopes? If you're doing it once a year, you, you may not be able to maintain that competency and single use may be more helpful for you. 
Um, so, you know, really just evaluate um, your facility's needs and your, your specific, and it might vary throughout your facility and all your different customers that you have. Um, but don't forget to include in your cost analysis the processing cost per case, and that includes the precious time required for a highly skilled and certified sterile processing technician to process the scope, because your work is mission critical to providing a safe scope and that patient's life is in your hands, and you're extremely valuable and important for their safe outcome. Thank you. And so I have one last question for you, and I'm going to put you on the spot. So if you were to have a colonoscopy procedure, would you prefer a single-use or reusable scope? (laughs) Well, if I'm going to a facility where any of your listeners work, I'm going to trust my life with their (laughs) reusable scopes because they're here, they're taking the time, they're gaining knowledge and skills, they're going to keep me safe. But if it's anywhere else, it's (laughs) single-use. There you go. Amber, you have given us some great information to think about. Thank you for sharing this information with us today. Thank you. Thank AORN for the collaboration on projects like this and for speaking at the HSPA conference. So I hope that we can continue working together on projects in the future. Thanks so much for having me and thanks for all you do. Well, folks, that music means only one thing, and I'm sorry to say that we are out of time for today. Thank you again, Amber and AORN, for your continued support of HSPA. HSPA episode number 85 is in the books. Hey, if you didn't know, each episode we do here on the show, it's on demand. So when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time.